We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You said that? We're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live welcome to the tuesday evening edition of the field of 68 after dark here on sirius xm channel 84 that is the espnu station we are live streaming on youtube if you're watching there please hit that like button please hit that subscribe button and jump in the chat we're going to be answering questions from you guys during breaks my name is rob doster we are presented by our partners over at bet rivers sportsbook and i am joined tonight by sports illustrated insider Kevin Sweeney, as well as Wake Forest legend and certified Tim Duncan hater, Randolph Childress. Uh, we have a ton to get into tonight. Arkansas won again. Texas Tech is rolling. Kansas is rolling. We're going to be joined in a little bit by Keegan Murray, the All-American from Iowa. But before we do any of that, gentlemen, we need to talk about those UConn Huskies. They knocked off Villanova tonight 71-69 to in a game where they trailed by four points with 35 seconds left on the clock. It is a massive win for UConn, who has now won four straight. They've beaten Seton Hall, they've beaten Xavier, and now they've beaten Villanova in their own building over the course of the last week. So, Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Is UConn going to run to the national title now? Is, is that that's certified and locked in, right? Man, I mean, I don't know about that, but I will say this. I mean, what a confidence builder today has to be, right? Not just the fact that you won the game against the kind of standard bearer program in this conference, but the fact that you did it the way that you did it, you know, losing your head coach early in the game, dealing with that adversity, going down four with under a minute to go, having to battle back, you know, forcing a turnover against one of the most you know steady handed teams in college basketball, and then executing down the stretch with two really outstanding play calls by Kamani Young and two great executions by, you know, the, the UConn offense. And again, you know, did it come down to a, a last second call, a block charge, just, you know, a 50-50 call? I think it probably, if, if I was officiating, would have been, you know, a block. Yeah, it did. But at some point, I mean, you, you got to feel really, really good if you're UConn uh, for, for the way that you, you were able to close out this ball game late uh, and build confidence heading into March. Yeah. Randolph, let me ask you this. You, you've been an assistant coach. You've taken over games where your head coach was thrown out. Uh, how... Kamani Young stepped into a situation, and, and what I was so impressed with was 
the composure and the confidence that he had to be able to settle his guys down. Like Villanova went on a 6-0 run immediately thereafter Dan Hurley got his two technical fouls. The crowd was riled up. The players were losing their cool a little bit, and he stepped in, called them down, got them going in the right direction, called up those two place uh, designs at the end of the game. I just I thought he did a terrific job. You've been in that situation. How difficult right. is it to take over for a head coach that gets run like that in the middle of a game? Oh, it's very difficult. I think the biggest thing you got to give him credit for is, like you said, he kept the team composed and and just during the critical times of the game, late game, that tie-up was big. It was right in front of their bench. You can tell they were yelling at the guys not to not to foul. They had a trap going. So kudos to Kamani. I, I thought he stepped up tonight, and, and I'm not surprised. I think he's one of the next guys in line to get a head coaching job, and I think he just proved that much tonight. But that situation is really difficult because most times when that happens, the game's out of line. Like most of the time, a coach gets his second technical when it's like, all right, we're getting the crap beat out of us. They want to get thrown out anyway at that point. And it just puts the game out of, out, out of line. And uh, for him to bring those guys back just shows how well coached they are, but definitely shows a lot about Kamani, how, how much of an up-and-coming coach and head coach he should be. All right, we're welcoming in all of the people that were listening to Kansas uh, beat up on Kansas State. We're talking a little bit about UConn's win over Villanova. This is the field of 68 after dark. Rob Doster, Kevin Sweeney, Randolph Childress. You mentioned the technical fouls that Dan Hurley got. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit biased. People know this. I'm a UConn fan. I did not think that he deserved those technical fouls for what he did tonight. I think that that was an accumulation of the fact that uh, he may be a little bit, Dan Hurley may be a little bit grading on the officials when it comes to the way that he kind of treats them over the course of a season. And to me, this was James Breeding, who teed him up twice, basically saying, you know what, I, I'm I'm done with you. This is it's the end of a long year. I'm done. Go, go into showers. I don't want to deal with you anymore. I won't argue with that. It looked like it. I mean, I thought the second one, I didn't know a guy could get a technical foul for cheering his team, to cheering the crowd to come on. It, it, he does that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, just you know, talking loud and, and and kind of pumping his crowd up. So he definitely got a little, he's a little fed up with him tonight. Yeah. I mean, I think the second technical is, is crazy. Right. And it's, it's frustrating that an official kind of takes it into his hands to do something like that in a game that means that much. But I also think the first technicals kind on Danny Hurley, right? Like at some point, you know, this is too important a game to be getting, you know, rung up. Right. You, you can't afford to hand them two points. I mean, this, this game was decided by two points. Like, and, and you know, this is not new for him. Right. He, he's been, he's been in these spots before. And I just think, you know, there has to be a understanding of the moment and an understanding of when it's okay to go cross the line and, and maybe get wrong to try to get your team fired up. And maybe when it's time to say, Hey, look, we, we got to lose the battle to win the war. And, you know, Kamani Young did an amazing job today, but you don't want to be at the spot of making your associate head coach when you ball games, right? Like this is, you know, these are big games. These, these are you know, season-defining moments, and you want your head coach on the sideline, and he put himself in a bad position today. The yeah. guys are going to be who they are, though, right? They're going to be, no matter what their personality are, they're going to be. If you're laid back and reserved, they'll get on you about that. You know what you're getting if you go watch Dan Hurley. If you're going to UConn, you know what you're getting. You know what you're playing, you're playing for. And they love them. Say what you want. They love them. And, 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 you know, was he a little extra over the top tonight? He was. Yeah, his, his persona very much fits with what the UConn fan base is and the people that, that root for that team and the people that go to those games. Uh, I do think, though, that there is room to criticize him for putting himself in a position where you're, you're going to get 
run like that. Look, if you hit the scores table, you're probably going to end up getting a technical foul, right? Am I right on that, RC? You've been yeah, on more no, sidelines pretty, than I have. Yeah. If you, no, if you yeah. smack the scores table, you're probably going to get rung up. And, and uh, let's let's be honest too. He gave him a few choice words too. <laughs> let's let's be clear about that. I'm sure he just wasn't saying you missed a call. I'm sure it was a little bit more. The possession more earlier too, put it out. It, it was a buildup of things. The possession before he was getting into James breeding because of mm-hmm. a foul that was called when Brandon Slater went to the basket. He thought that UConn should have gotten one on the other end. Then they go down and Tyrese Martin, to be fair, did get fouled. Like there were two or three offensive rebounds in a row. The third one, Tyrese Martin got fouled on. Like he got hit on the arm as he went back up to finish something. It happens all the time in these games. Dan Hurley's reaction was to smack the board. Boop, you get rung up. You get mad about it. You overreact. And then you clearly antagonize the official by getting the, the, the crowd revved up. Like when you, when people don't like you, like that, that's the thing, Sweeney, you had a, you had a great point about this, right? There needs to be a working relationship, right? Between officials and coaches, right? Yes. Right. And and at some point you have to, again, you don't have to like the guy, right? I mean, we've all been in spots where we don't like a coworker, a, you know, colleagues we went to deal with, you know, on a a day-to-day basis, but like at the end of the day, you can't be at a point where you're at each other's throats all the time and it winds up costing, you know, your organization. Right. And, and, and you know, if Dan Hurley and, and Jay's breeding hate each other, that's cool, but you have to understand. And, and again, I'm not saying Jay's breeding's blameless in this, but if you're, you're Danny Hurley, you have to understand that, you know, your actions are going to cost your team and you have to uh, you have to be careful. You can't keep showing up officials and then winding up in a situation where officials get mad at you and get teed up, and then you say why, right? Like you, you operate like this all season long. You set yourself up to get run in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it as well. Um, what do you make of uh, UConn moving forward, Randall? I, I've always liked their team, but I, I worry about them come late game tonight. And we talked about this before. I, you know, I joked about you being a UConn fan. And I, but we said it today. I, I, they'll go as far as R.J. Cole take. I, that's what I said to you earlier today. And then it's ironic he closes the game out tonight. And against the better teams, didn't happen as much tonight. He played great, and they and so much at stake. But he made the right play with the tie up. But they still struggle, and they get predictable with him. I think he teams just focusing on him, make another guy beat you or handle it late game. I, I just don't like how they'll get in. I don't think they'll go very far. I don't see them getting through the first weekend. Sweeney? I think I'm a believer, you know, especially with the way that Sonogo played today, right? I mean, Eric Dixon took it to UConn in the first meeting. I think he had 24 and 12, and it's a huge reason why Villanova won that game. And I thought the UConn's front court kind of took it personally, and Dama Sonogo came out and played a really good ball game. He had 20 points, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Like, he played uh, as complete a game as I've seen from him. Uh, and I think when you have that level of an anchor – uh, on the block combined with you know, some guys who can space the floor and then a point guard like RJ Cole, who has made big plays and proved again tonight, that he can be a clutch shot maker. You have a chance to really make some noise, right? They're physical. They're, they're big and strong defensively. They can really guard and win a game on that end of the floor, but they have enough weapons. I think as, as, as Cole continues to uh, establish himself as a really good lead guard, as Sonogo continues to establish himself as a guy you don't want to mess with on the block and then all the wings that they have, I think they have enough to really be a dangerous team in March and make a run to the second weekend. So uh, go ahead, Rob. I want to ask you this. If you're, you guys, I know you say you like UConn. I know you do, Rob. Give me a third score that you can count on 
come a tournament game or any game going forward, even in the Big East tournament, who's going to be your third scorer on that team? They, they needed to be Tyrese Martin. And he hit a couple shots tonight. He was not finishing stuff at the basket tonight. Um, here, here's, here's my biggest thing with UConn uh, is that it's been, it's been late game execution, right? The reason yes. why they are so high up in the Ken Palm rank, they were favored tonight. They won by two against Villanova and they did not cover the spread. It was two and a half when it closed at Bet Rivers. Um, the reason why they are ranked so high in the, in the metrics and they're so high on Ken Palm and their efficiency is so good is because they lose all these close games where they can't execute in a final possession, where they're not able to scheme something up. You, I think back to uh, the, the overtime loss to Seton Hall. Um, I think back to final possessions against Michigan State uh, in, in the Bahamas. Um, I think back to the, the final possession against West Virginia where, where they, it was just a horrific final possession and they lose by three. Tonight was the opposite of that, right? There were a couple of bad possessions with two minutes left, but in the last 30 seconds, Kamani drew up two fantastic sets. One of them got Tyler Polly coming off of a pin down. He knocked down a three. The other one created an open side ball screen for RJ Cole to get to his right hand, and he finished. Um, hopefully, that's the kind of thing that can create a little bit of confidence in moments like that. Like that's, I don't, I've said this before. They have enough guys and enough talent and enough ability and enough athletes and enough players that are just tough as hell to compete with anybody in college basketball this year. I truly believe that anybody in college basketball, those dudes are going to be able to compete with them at the very least. If they show up to play, they'll be able to compete. Um, they win because they're going to either punk you on the glass. They're going to force turnovers or they're going to make your life miserable defensively. That's when they're at their best when they can take advantage of the fact that they have better physical tools than anybody else. They don't have a ton of guys that are great when it comes to feel, which kind of puts you in a situation where they run. I mean, RC, you watch it tonight, man. Like they run set after set, after set, after set with counter, after counter, after everything is, everything is drawn up. Everything's dialed up. They don't have a ton of guys that just play. And I think what happens when you get to a final possession, you need to create offense out of sets. And it's much more difficult to do that when you have a set defense, someone can throw a curveball at you, whatever it is. So seeing them actually be able to make plays in the clutch in a final moment is the kind of thing I think is a difference maker for this group. Cause they're going to be in, in every game that they show up to play. And I can't imagine an NCAA tournament game where they don't show up to play. And, and, and I, seeing them do that tonight is, is, is a very, very, very good sign. I think moving forward. The only thing I'll say again, and I'll say this about that team, is R.J. Cole got it done tonight to close it for him. The concern I have is when people are scheming, saying, I'm not going to let R.J. Cole beat me. And that's the same thing we're talking about. You said several times in those late games. Providence game was that way. We talked about that after the Providence game. Providence maybe pulled away at the very end, but that was a really close game. Nobody really no, – I'll say this. No one else seemed to want the ball when it matters. Exactly. And he's just chasing it and he's going to get it. It just makes it more predictable. If one of these other guards or someone else steps up and just shows they want the ball, they don't have to be a playmaker. Just show you want it, like, you know, and, and step up and take shots. Then this team can go far. But I, I, I've seen it too many times. And that's my only concern with them of doing real damage in the tournament or even a Big East tournament for that matter. All right. So let's talk about the Big East big picture, Sweeney. Uh, Providence now has a two-game lead over Villanova. They still have to go to Finneran Pavilion to play. Uh, and based on the way that the schedule worked out with the COVID cancellations that Providence had, they have to finish a game above Villanova in the loss column if they want to have a Big East regular season title. Do you think Providence is going to find a way to be able to get this done? I do. You know, they have two games at home against Xavier and Creighton. 
they basically have to win, right? It, 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 you win those two games, you're going to be the biggest champion. You don't, you're not going to be. I, I think for me, the way that Xavier is trending, uh, I, I pulled this from, from T-Rank. Uh, Xavier is the 101st ranked team in the country since January 15th, right? So, so the last month plus, Xavier has been, you know, outside the top 100. You know, they, they are really struggling lately. I think it's a great time for Providence to get them, uh, especially with Al Durham banged up. Right. I think the Creighton game is the one that it scares you more, particularly if you can't have Durham. Right. I know he's dealing with the hernia injury. Uh, they're hopeful that they, he can he can play. But, you know, is he limited? Is he going to have his explosiveness? And when we get downhill, you know, we'll see. I, I think if they have a healthy Durham or a healthy enough Durham, uh, they will find a way to win both those games and win the biggest title, even going into that Villanova game on, on the first. Yeah. Where do you stand, RC? I agree. I think they'll get it. I think they need to get those two games. But they're not easy. I mean, they won't be easy. You know, Creighton's going to be a tough out for them. I mean, I agree with you on Xavier. I think they can get Xavier. But Creighton's playing really good. They're playing themselves up to a higher seed in the tournament. They're playing themselves into it. And if I'm Providence, you got to get it. You don't want to have to go to Villanova to play for the Big East title. Like, you, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I just – I can't see Villanova losing at home with the Big East regular season title on the line. Um, yeah. I'm not – that worried about the Xavier game for Providence, that Creighton game is going to be tough. Yes. Those, those yes. Creighton dudes are playing great. Uh, that's a tease for something a little bit later in the show that we're going to get to. Uh, we got to take a quick, quick break here, but coming up next, we got to dive into some of the big 12 action tonight. Uh, and I'm going to ask Sweeney whether, whether or not he believes Texas tech is actually the team built to go furthest in the NCAA tournament in that conference. Okay. All right. We got any questions in the chat, Dagan? We do. And the most important question is what, what happens tonight if we hit 100 legs? <laughs> not sure. What happens tonight if what? Tonight. We hit 100 legs. No, no shotguns I'm not, I'm tonight, not, Rob? <laughs> I'm not, I am not shot. Well, I have, I do have one up here, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to It's Tuesday, man. Come on. Shotgun I call Listen, on the, chat, the chat wants to know. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, get us, get us a, get us a 200 likes and I'll shotgun this claw. All you right? heard that chat? 200, 200 likes. Two hundred likes. I gotta go open up YouTube clock. and like this thing. Yeah, there you go. All right, here we uh, go. What, here's here's a quick question. Um, Trey, One minute. I know this is this is a longer question. So your top three teams, if you had to pick only three to win the title, who are they right now? Sweeney, you go first. Oof. Uh, Gonzaga, Arizona, and I'll say Kentucky. Gonzaga, Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, I am going to go with Gonzaga, Arizona, and Auburn just because I don't trust uh, Kentucky to be 30. healthy. If you can, you can guarantee me that we have a, a healthy Kentucky, I'll put them in that mix too. What else we got? We got something quickly, Dagan? Yes, here's one. Here's one. Uh, wondering what Rob thinks about the UConn court storm after he said programs who have arrived don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. Storming the court is fun. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, Let people have fun. I didn't love it, but five seconds, whatever. There you go. And we are back. This is the field of 68 after dark. You can find us on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPN U station. We are streaming live on YouTube. Hit that like button. Jump in the chat. Ask us questions. We answer them. Uh, during breaks, Rob Doster, Kevin Sweeney, Randolph Childress. We had some big 12 action tonight. Texas Tech rolled. Kansas rolled. Baylor last night played in Stillwater at Oklahoma State, and they struggled. They got taken to overtime. 
RC, what do you make of this conference as a whole? Who do you think is the best team? I, I think we all agree Kansas is probably going to end up winning the conference, but who do you think is the best team? Who are you backing to make the deepest run of the tournament? I'll say this, the team that's playing the best right now, if, I, if I'm not going to say Kansas, I'm going to say Texas Tech. I, I just think they're playing their best basketball to close the year. We know how strong they are defensively. I, I, I just like what they're doing right now. And so if I can't take Kansas, I'm, I'm going with Texas Tech. I think that Texas Tech is the best team in the Big 12, full stop. Like, I don't, I don't care what the records say. Texas Tech swept uh, Baylor. They beat Kansas once, and they lost in double overtime the other game and, you know, needed a prayer three by Ochai Ogbaje to even get to that double overtime period. You know, they're just playing at a really high level, and they've done this all with Kevin McCullough in and out of the lineup, with Taryn Shannon in and out of the lineup. Yeah, like, lineup. to me, like – this is the best team in the league. I mean, Bryson Williams is playing. I think Bryson Williams is the most forgotten about great player in college basketball right now. He is so efficient offensively. He's shooting like 45% from the three. In addition to what he does on the block, he can switch defensively. He's really bought into that, that system. So they just have so many guys who can hurt you any night, right? Like today, Davion Warren leads them in scoring. Williams led them in scoring over the weekend. O'Banner had the 23 and 13 the other day to win them a game. Uh, you know, Santos Silva comes in with nine and six today off the bench. Shannon was was going to be get drafted if you say in the draft last year. McCullers led them in big games. So they have Adonis Arms won on the Baylor game in Waco, right? Like you just go through their whole rotation, seven guys. Every one of them has been the guy in a big win for this team. They're dominating teams defensively right now. Uh, I, I think Texas Tech, man. I, I think they might be in the top five teams in the country right now, the top five teams to go win a national championship. I think they're the best team in the Big 12. So here's here's my concern with Texas Tech, and I want you both of you guys to weigh in on this. It's point guard play. Do they have a guy? We saw it at the end of the Texas game when Texas went on that 9-0 run to get it to a one-possession game in the final minute. Um, do they have a good enough point guard? Do they have enough uh, – of a, of a leader at that spot to be able to win. So we need to go first. I, I don't think that they do, but I think there's a lot of teams in that great tier of, of teams in college basketball that don't have a great point guard, right? Like right now, how, how much are we really trusting Wendell Green at Auburn? Right. I mean, how much are we really trusting Jeremy Roach at Duke right now? I mean, again, maybe Wendell's playing point in, in big moments, but you know, he, he's more of a combo. Right. I mean, you just kind of go through Kansas. Is Dewan Harris really the guy that 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 instills fear? You know, like there, there is a Darth of elite point guards. And so for me, the fact that they have multiple guys who can create off the bounce, they have multiple guys who can switch and guard one through four uh, in the backcourt. They're playing six, five, six, six across the front, you know, across the backcourt with you know McCullough, uh, with Adonis Orange, who can both create. I think that they have enough offensively, even without that true point guard. In addition, obviously, the elite defense where they can survive the fact that they don't have a guy who who has the keys to, to and still win a championship. Yeah, when you give up 42 points in a game, you don't have to be a great offensive team to be able to win. Also, RC, I don't know if you caught that, but Sweeney dropped a dearth on us. He loves busting <laughs> out those Northwestern SAT words whenever he comes on after dark. All right, I'm this, gonna is, go after dark. To this is not after SAT, uh, SAT prep, Sweeney. <laughs> My only concern with those guys with Texas Tech, though, is is – you know, they got a lot of different guys that'll that'll score, but who's you who are you gonna go to when you really need a bucket? Like to close your game. Who's your closer? And you're right about great, you know, they got a great defense, but as you start talking about making a final four run, 
you're going to play against some teams. You're not going to be able to force 21 turnovers like they did tonight. And, you know, and they're not, you know, they're going to be solid defensively, but they're not going to force as many turnovers. And you're going to play against some good teams that's going to protect your basketball and, and they're going to force you to score. All right. So let me ask you guys this then. Kansas has now won four in a row. They've won six out of seven since they got smacked by Kentucky at home. Uh, and the only loss is by three at Texas, who, you know, Texas is Texas. They're not great. They're not awful. I don't think that there's anything wrong with losing by three on the road to a team uh, like Texas. So uh, why, why aren't we talking more about Kansas? They are sitting here right now today. They are number five in Kempom. They are 23 and four overall. They are 12 and two in the big 12, and they're going to win this, this regular season title uh, without really, you know, breaking a, breaking a sweat. So RC, why, why aren't we talking more about Kansas as in, in that same tier of teams as we just mentioned, Gonzaga, uh, Arizona, Auburn, Kentucky, whoever. Baji's their best player. We all agree to that, right? Mm-hmm. Where do we see him getting drafted? Probably late first, I would guess. Right. Someone, someone that's, will take it, that, it, that plunge. And that was my point. We're accustomed to Kansas when they're at their best, when they're when they're a team that we're thinking got Final Four potential, that has Final Four potential, we're thinking usually they got a lottery pick. They got a top five mm-hmm. guy. And Abaji, he's a shooter. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. He needs somebody to set him up, get him open, and – I, I don't know if they're just overall, they're better than a lot of teams, obviously, but I don't have them quite as a final four team because I just don't think they have that guy. Abaji's yeah. great. You get it in his hands. He's great, but he needs stuff ran for him. He's not a guy you can give the ball to and just say, Hey man, go get me a bucket. That's just not his game. Right. And we've, we've talked about this on the show before. I think obviously the inconsistencies at the point and the inconsistencies at the center position will rear their ugly head in big moments. You know, I think Dewan Harris has played much better basketball lately. He deserves credit. Um, but, you know, their offense is so built around post-touches for David McCormick. And, and David McCormick just ha- has not been a consistent enough force for me to buy this team winning, you know, six games and, and go winning a national championship. And, and also say this, I mean, yes, they played good basketball lately but their, their schedule has been about as light as it can be in the big 12. I mean, it's, again, it, it's still the big 12, it's still a grind, but you had Kansas state at home, you had Oklahoma state at home, you had Oklahoma at home. Uh, you had a road trip to West Virginia. That's a West Virginia team. That's really fading right now. The road game in Texas, you lost, you won the big one at home against Baylor and you beat Iowa state on the road, a team that at that time was really, really slumping, right? Like, I don't know that Kansas, winning six of seven the way that they have is necessarily the statement that it would be normally in this conference because they've had a pretty manageable stretch schedule and look they get to prove it on saturday right they go into waco if they ball out in that game and they prove that beating baylor as big as they did uh, earlier in this month was not a fluke then look we're gonna have to talk about this team and saying look it may not matter that they're not elite at the center position it may not matter that they're not, not elite at the point guard position it may not matter that Agbaji get the run of play for him down the stretch. They're just really good. But I think until I see that game, it's hard for me to see Kansas truly among those elite national title contenders right now. I do like how you just kind of glossed over. Yeah, I know that they beat Baylor by 24 in Fog Allen. <laughs> right, but that's one game. That's one game. It, and you know what else is one game? Getting smacked by Kentucky at home. That's it's one like- game as well. Um, all right. I asked you guys about this uh, before we went on air and I want to throw it to you right now. So uh, RC, I want, mm-hmm. I want to know who, 
who is the team that intrigues you the most right now? You're, we call it a sleeper team, but I want to know who intrigues you the most outside of the top 25. I put a qualifier on it. You got to give me mm-hmm. a sleeper that is not ranked in the top 25. Who you got? I'm going to go Wyoming and Wake, Wake Forest. And I know if you're going to give me crap about it's a homer pick at no, Wake. But, but I'll say this. The reason I said is they're going to have the ACC player of the year. And if you haven't seen Alondis Williams play, you can't speed him up. He has great size. Probably one of the best passers in the league. Like, you you, you don't categorize him as a point guard, but when you watch him play, like, he's the best passer in the league. I mean, he's the best passer. It's not even close. And he leads the league in scoring and assists. He's a finisher. And he puts a ton of pressure on They got balance. They got size. And they're going to play – they're going to be a tough out. They're an efficient offense, and they're pretty pretty good defensive team when they're locked in, so – I think they're a team when they get in, they can they can be really dangerous. And I and I think Wyoming's gonna be just a, a heck of a matchup for anybody that a lot of high major teams just don't want to see. You know, that's not a matchup you want to get early in because they'll put you you're gonna be on upset alert really early if you get those guys. Where would you draft him? Where would you draft Alondis Williams, RC? I I would draft him and seeing him play, I would draft him maybe in a, in the first round, later later part of the first round. Once you get past certain guys, I, I think he belongs – because he's been around in college basketball for so long. I mean, you know, he, he's transferred from Oklahoma. You don't put him in that category. But I, I'll say this. I would draft him before – I outside of the guys that we know. I mean, I'd put him right there. I, it would be a system fit for me, a, a combo guard that can play some point for me. He would fit that role as well as anybody would his size. You watch him play. He's earned himself some money, and he will be drafted. But I would say after the 20s, anywhere in the 20s, late first round, I'd draft him. I just wish he was a 40% shooter instead of like a 32% shooter because then I'd feel really good about putting him in something kind of like what like a, like a Lonzo Ball role or a Tyrese Halliburton, a secondary initiator that can also space right. the floor that you can put in ball screens that you can use to, to kind of pass out of. I just don't know if he's a good enough shooter to be able to do that. Um, but I guess we'll find out. He's, yeah. he's a pro. If he was 40%, he's, he's a lottery because at that yeah. point he's doing it all. So, but no, yeah. I agree with you. I think he's a pro. He's, he's played himself into it. He's, he's definitely uh, legit. All right, Sweeney, give me your, uh, give me your sleeper. No one's talking about North Texas and they should be. They won a game in the NCAA tournament last year. Grant McCaslin's tremendous coach. This team started two and three. Since then, they are, 18 and one, and that included a road win at UAB over the weekend. They guard the heck out of you. They suck the life out of the game. No team plays slower uh, than this North Texas team. Uh, but man, do they guard and they have a point guard that comes off the bench, Tyler Perry. He's their sixth man, but he's their leading scorer who can flat out hoop. Like he is an awesome shot creator. Uh, I really like this team. Like I, I think they have a chance to get an at large bid if they don't win the Conference USA tournament. It's going to be tight, but man, like people need to know about this North Texas team because it's a team that can win not one, but two games against the tournament. Their four losses, they lost to Buffalo the first week of the year. Since then, they've lost to Kansas on a neutral court by 12, Miami on a neutral court by six, and they lost to UAB, who's the top 50 team in Kempom. Like this team is for real, and it's time people start to talk about it. Yeah, so I my, my pick would be Creighton. I think that this team has – uh, a couple of different guys that can win a game for you offensively, Ryan Hawkins, Ryan Nemhard. 
I think that they are much better defensively than people realize. Like normally when you think of Creighton, you think of a bunch of dudes shooting 30 footers uh, and not playing any defense at all. Well, this team shoots 31% from three and is ranked in the top 30 defensively uh, in Ken Palm's um, adjusted defensive efficiency metric. Uh, they won at UConn. They've won five straight in the Big East. They are currently sitting at 18 and eight overall, 10 and five in the conference. Uh, I think that they are a team that you don't want to see as an 11 or a 12 seed if they find a way to get in the tournament. And I think that they're probably on the right side of the bubble uh, as of now. But listen, we have to pay the bills. Uh, coming up next, we're going to hear from Iowa's All-American, Keegan Murray. You're clear. All right, Dagan, what do we got? Anything in the chat? Anything good? Yes, we do. Andrew Schaefer wants to know, how many teams get in from the ACC – and can Virginia still be one of them? I think that Virginia absolutely can still be one of them. They got to be coming up. They got to beat Duke. If they don't beat Duke, I don't think they can get that large bid unless they win the conference tournament. I, I do think that there's room for like a Georgetown or an Oregon State type situation where they come in as a bid stealer, but they have to beat Duke. Otherwise, I think to what well, they've beaten them once. They gotta if they don't beat them this time, it's gotta be they beat them this time and make and win a couple of games in a tournament. I think it gives them enough. A resume. Yeah, without beating them again, I'm saying I don't yeah. think they can. Yeah, yeah, and so they have Duke uh, on tomorrow night at home. Yes, mm-hmm. huge game tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow night at home. So they, yeah, it's it's you don't think that they get in without without beating Duke. I think they have to beat them either in the conference tournament or the. End of the right. I, I think their their metrics are really poor. Uh, they have some bad ones too. I mean, they're they're kind of like Rutgers, but with worse wins. And I think that's a bad recipe. Thirty. You just said that Virginia is Rutgers with with worse wins, and my <laughs> have the money have fallen. Uh, it's so true. Number on it. Five five or six. Five or six getting in. What do you got? Uh, I got four. North Carolina's not getting in. Four. Wow. Four. I, I think North Carolina will get in. I believe they will. Yeah, you know why? What's it say on the front of their jersey, Sweeney? North Carolina. What's it say right there? Five. Right there. That's why. We are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're streaming on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Jump in the chat. We're answering questions uh, during the breaks. We're going to be hearing from Keegan Murray here in a second, but before we do, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Iowa's 86 to 60 win over the Spartans tonight. Um, it feels like Iowa's one of these teams, Sweeney, that is kind of coming on a little bit. You know, we, uh, after they lost to Michigan uh, last week, we, we were on the show and we, we asked, you know, is, is Iowa the new North Carolina? They don't, they didn't have any quad one wins at that point. Um, they didn't have any bad losses, but they didn't, they didn't have any quad one wins. Why are they so comfortably in the tournament? And they responded by going into Columbus and beating Ohio State by 13. And then tonight, uh, just smacking Michigan State by 26. And, and that might be more about Michigan State. We can get to that in a little bit. But what do you make of this IO team? How dangerous do you think that they are? Well, I think the difference is the defense, right? I mean, today and against Ohio State, they have guarded – at a level that we haven't seen from an Iowa team, really. I mean, there was a couple of stretches last year where they you thought they were turning the corner and it wasn't consistent. But, you know, Iowa teams under Fran have been tremendous on offense and have struggled on defense. And, you know, I, I just think the last couple of games, you've seen the potential for them to guard because they have the personnel, right? I mean, Keegan Murray, for all he does offensively, and he is one of the best scorers in the country, 
and you don't even have to run a ton of plays for him to get his buckets. Like he just finds ways to, to score and find ways to be on the basket. He is an awesome defender. I mean, he can switch, he can block shots. He can, you know, he, he can guard in the post. He can guard on the perimeter. You know, Tony Perkins can be a very good defender. Patrick McCaffrey, super long and, and impacts the game defensively. Like they have the ability to be a good defensive team when they are engaged. Right. And I think, uh, the last couple of games, we've seen a renewed sense of urgency. And, and if we see that the rest of the way, I think this Iowa team can be really good because obviously they can pour it in when you have a guy like Keegan, when you have the shooting that they have, that they can surround him with, when you have everyone on the floor, really, except for Robracha, who can handle the ball, which I think is a really dangerous thing to grab and go with the pace that they play. You know, they, they have all the tools to be a team that, you know, makes a little bit of noise. But, you know, again, it's just a consistency thing on the defensive end. They were so poor against Michigan defensively. I mean, everything was at the everything was a lap. Everything was a lap, and I think they've they've turned it as necessary. But how consistent will it be? I think determines how good this team can be. Can Can you fix that in the middle of the season, RC? Can you Can you get better, or is that just kind of a pro? Like we, I feel like we have this question about Iowa all the time. Yeah, they can score, but are they going to be able to get enough stops to make a run? I wonder where that comes from. Like every year. Some teams just I'm, I tell you, we use Notre Dame for example, same personnel, same team forever, right? Now Solomon's on staff and watching those guys and being around those guys, that's the mo. He's coming in and their whole mindset has been like we got to be better defensively, and that's why they've taken a jump. So it can happen if everyone bought in and buys in, and, and it's emphasized with the staff. So. I'm wondering if Coach McCaffrey just probably got tired of hearing it and like, look, guys, we got enough offensive firepower. We just got to freaking guard somebody. And I mean, they got they got guys. I mean, Keegan is a. I think he's one of the most versatile offense interior and on, on the perimeter defenders and offensive players. Like he he does that as well as anybody. I mean, guard guys on the perimeter, but also plays inside and plays outside. I mean, he 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 covers it all. All right, so we asked. Keegan Murray, that very question, what uh, what Iowa was doing um, defensively and how they can get better. Um, and uh, he's going to join us right now here on the Field of 68 after dark. Now let me welcome on to the field of 68 after dark Keegan Murray, who was fresh off of scoring 28 points and an 86 to 60 win over Michigan state. Keegan, first and foremost, how do I know you're not Chris? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like the more we got older, the more we look alike. So, but uh, I don't know, to be honest. Have you, got, have you guys ever pulled that off where you, the old switcheroo where, where he did an interview for you or you did an interview for him? No, nah, we, we, we've never done that, but a lot of people get us mixed up, our reporters, so. <laughs> all right. Uh, in all seriousness, you, uh, you, you guys were coming off of a loss um, to Michigan uh, about a week ago, and you bounced back with a 13-point win at Ohio State and then tonight's 26-point win against Michigan State. What changed? How did you guys get it going? Yeah, I th just think it's the next game mentality for us. Um, in the Big Ten, you can't really dwell on losses um, because it's – just the next game right after that, uh, we had a ranked team on the road. Um, two games after the Michigan game, so we got to get ready for that. Got a big win there, and then got a big win tonight. You know, Keegan, you know, coming into that Ohio State game, you guys still didn't have a quadrant one win. How cognizant were you guys of that? Was that, you know, a topic of conversation among the team? And how, how good has it felt to get that weight off your back the last two games? Yeah, I don't think we were too uh, – 
cognizant of that, but we knew that we needed to get a big win at some point. Um, I felt like our team knew that going into Columbus was an opportunity for us to get that win. Um, and we just put the gas on the pedal the entire time and ended up pulling it out. So. Egan, I'm old enough, man. I actually played against your dad. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually played against your dad. We, we, we played against those guys. So you tell him I said hello. Tell him Randall okay. should have said hello. Question for you. Your dad played there, and I know how – was that important for you being a low – you know, you weren't a highly ranked guy, and you turned yourself into a lottery pick. I know that's impressive, but was that the only school you even considered going to following your dad's footstep, or what, uh, how was that recruitment process? Yeah, so I knew that I wanted to keep my options open. I wanted to uh, look at every school possible and find the right fit for me. Um, and Iowa was the first school that offered us – or offered me. Um, and they we went on a visit there, and I just fell in love with – not just because my dad went here, but just what Fran said to me um, and what he thought I could be in this program and just the freedom I'd have in this program uh, to do uh, what I'm capable of doing. Um, I feel like that is what really intrigued me to come here. In, in the past, Keegan, you know, I was kind of been defined by how good you guys have been on offense and have had some defensive struggles. But the last two games, you've given up 60 points tonight and 62 against Ohio State. Uh, do you guys feel like you've turned a corner on that side of the ball? Yeah, I feel like there's been a couple games early on uh, this season where I feel like defensively we're really active um, and we're really good um, in those games. And there's been stretches of 10 to 20 minutes where we've been really good on defense or halves and stuff like that, but really haven't put 40 minutes together uh, defensively. Um, in these last two games, I feel like we put those 40 minutes together, um, and that's led to big wins for us. Um, and I just our team believes that uh, if we can get it done defensively, we can beat any team in the country. Keegan, I think a lot of people expected you to have a, a good year this year. If you go back and look at all the, the breakout player lists from the preseason, I think you were probably on most of them. But I don't know how many people thought, like, this guy has a chance to be an All-American. This guy has a chance to be the fourth leading scorer in college basketball. Did did you expect to have this level of success entering this season? Uh, for me, I expect myself to be great. Um, I expected nothing, nothing less of that. Um, and for me, it's just – what can I do to help our team win? Um, in some games, just scoring a lot of points. Some games, just guarding the best player on the other team. Um, and I just felt like um, whatever I'm, I'm doing to help our team win um, will help us overall um, and win games as a team. So um, for me, it's just being confident in myself as a player offensively um, to score those points and defensively as well. All right, I got one more question for you. And, right. and it's a tough one. I, I'm, I need you to answer it, though, okay? All right, you I got take Last year's Luca Garza. And this year's you, and you play one on one. Who wins? I bet on myself all the time. Uh, every time I'm betting on myself, so I'm gonna have to take me. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Keegan, congrats on the win tonight. Best of luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Thank you to Keegan Murray for joining us here on the field of 68. Uh, and thank you to Randolph for making sure that he emphasized the fact that he did put up 25 points and six assists <laughs> on Keegan Murray's dad in the NCAA tournament. That was pretty funny. Uh, we got to talk about a little bit about Michigan state um, here. We got about four minutes left. Uh, Sweeney. What, what do you make of the Spartans? What do you make of this group? They've lost, what is it? Four out of five. Now we, we thought for a while, this was a team that had a chance to compete for a big 10 title. And, 
Now here they are. And we're like, hmm, maybe if they don't turn this around, they could be in that nine, 10 seed range when things all shake out. I think the biggest thing for me was that it was never overwhelming talent wise early in the season, right? When they were playing well, it wasn't like, wow, look how talented Michigan state is. You know, look how, you know, you know, look how elite they can be. It was, wow, they've just got a nice kind of mix and everybody's every gelling together. And I think a huge part of that was Gabe Brown, right? I mean, Gabe Brown, for the first, you know, 15 games of the season or so was a consistent, you know, 14 to 16 point a game guy who they could rely on on the wing and you could play off of him with Max Christie and Gabe Brown has really, really struck. He was scoreless today. Uh, he has not been in double figures since the Rutgers loss, which kind of started this skid. Uh, he was also scoreless against Indiana, which is a game that they actually won. I mean, Gabe Brown has been a shell of himself lately. And, and again, when you are not that talented, when you are you know, kind of winning on the margins and, and all of a sudden you're a 15 point game guy becomes a five point a game guy, it, it gets ugly. And I think, you know, Gabe and Max Christie have to give them more. They have to give the team more offense because the point guard play isn't dynamic enough to carry this load. And so, you know, they need more from their two wings if, if this team's going to get it back on track. Yeah, RC, what do you think? I think after they beat who was that they won early against Wisconsin, and we we yep. kind of thought they were, we thought they had turned the corner, like they were going to figure out a way, whether it was going to be Christie, whether it was going to be Brown, like somebody was going to step up, it was going to be point guard by committee. Uh, it just hadn't turned out. They're struggling to score so bad; it puts so much pressure on the defense. And right now, I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to turn it around. They got Purdue coming up. I mean, they're at Michigan. I mean, when is this? I think the only game, there are no gimmies, but they, they finish up senior night was against Maryland at home and they got Ohio State it's sprinkled in there. So, I mean, where do they turn it around? I mean, when, 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 you know, there's no easy games coming up in the Big Ten for them. And they're a team that was a lot to be in the tournament. They're playing themselves out of it. It loses of what, five of six, the last six games, five of the last six. And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think any of us was betting on them Saturday to get, to get, to win at Purdue. So, I mean, I, yeah, so I, I think they're playing them well out of it. To your point, they're, uh, they've lost five to six. The, the next three games they have on their schedule, they get Purdue at home, they are at Michigan, and they are at Ohio State. They could wake up on the last weekend of the regular season sitting at 18 and 12 overall with a 9 and 10 record in the conference, playing Maryland at home uh, for a chance to try to get to 500 in the Big Ten. And I don't think anyone, any of us would have uh, guessed that that would have been the case. By the way, the only team that they beat in this run uh, for in, in league play is uh, poor Mike Woodson and the Indiana Hoosiers, who just can't find a way to do anything right, man. They make they're they're the team that you got to play to 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 get right. They're the get right team at this point. But um, yeah, it's it's tough seeing this with Michigan State. I, I thought that they were going to be a little bit better. I never thought that they were great, but I thought they had a real chance to kind of. Uh, put this thing together and, and put together a little bit of a run. But uh, we have to pay the bills here. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Arkansas and why they might be the most dangerous team in the SEC right now. You're clear. All right. What do we got for questions? All right. Let's see here. Spe speaking of Indiana, this is just very generic. W what is wrong with the Hoosiers? <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't have any point cards. Yeah. Bad point guard play, mediocre wing play, uh, an offense that's too reliant on one player. You know, they're okay defensively. I mean, it, it's the same exact issues that they've had the last two years around Trace. 
I mean, yeah. nothing has really changed. It's new faces, but it's the same issues that have plagued them, which is that their offense isn't good enough without Trace going for 30. And even when Trace goes for 30, it's not a guarantee. One minute. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't help that they don't have Finnessy playing or Christian Lander or, and it might actually, it might help that they don't have those guys available right now. I don't think they were that good to begin with. Uh, what else we got digging? This question was directed at me in the chat, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Is Seton Hall a dangerous eight, nine seed in the tournament? My answer, by the way, you can all find it in the chat, but it, it was no. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not 30. I'm not, I'm not in on them. I don't think – are we ever going to see Bryce Aiken again? Is he gone? Doesn't sound no, like it. Doesn't sound like it. Until he comes back, I, I, I'm off him. I, I'm not getting on that train unless Bryce Aiken plays another down. I mean, another play. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. Uh, you got something quick, Dagan? Anything else? Anything last? Uh, nothing quick. Ten. So, we'll just go back to the show here. Talk some, talk some hogs. Five seconds. There you go. We are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on Sirius XM. Channel 84, that is the ESPNU station. We are live on YouTube. If you're watching there, please hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Jump in the chat. Ask us questions. We will be doing the Field of 68 After Dark afters starting at 11.58 and 20 seconds on the East Coast. That's Eastern Time Zone, the only legitimate time zone in the United States. Let's talk about the Hogs, guys. Let's talk about Arkansas. Let's talk about Mama Hog. Do you think Goodman is ever going to apologize to Mama Hog for the disrespect, the other utter disrespect that he showed to that Arkansas program, Sweeney? He will never, never apologize, but we do need to get him down to Bud Walton at some point, just, for, just to see the reaction, just to see the reaction. Got to yeah, get on the show. We're, we're, I, look, I'm, I'm working on it. Clint Sterner, I know you're listening to this man. <laughs> we we got to get Mama Hog on. The people are calling for it. The YouTube chat is calling for it. Uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, Randolph, what is, what's been the change with this group? You know, they've made a run. They lost five or six there, uh, and it looked for a while like this might be the like, – they got blown out by Hofstra at home when Hofstra did not have their best player. And now we're sitting here. They're, they're, I think they're 12-4 and four in the SEC now. Am I right about that? And they've won 11-4. 11-4, 112 out of three. Whatever it is, they've won a whole bunch of games. They're right. not losing five out of six anymore. They're not Michigan State right now. Uh, what changed? How did this group turn it around? You know what? I, I think in changing that lineup around, it was just figuring out who can do what. I mean, originally we thought coming in like Chris Likes was going to be like maybe the starting point guard, you know, start and settle things down and figuring out how he was going to be. And I think he settled into that role where, look, you just come in off the bench, uh, you know, just be a little spark plug, just play. I don't need you trying to set and run plays. Just, just go be a bucket and, their team, I think they just understand what the, what's being asked of them now. You know, I think defensively, they you know we knew they were going to be a solid defensive team. I am concerned about their lack of size of dealing or playing against bigs. You saw that against tonight. You know, that's what mm-hmm. being an issue tonight. But I, I I like the team. I mean, they're playing really well, and they got guys that can close at the end. And when you got guard play that can close at the end, you got a shot. And they're playing as well right now as anybody, even any team, you know, playing in the SEC right now. The thing that I love about Muss and the way that he kind of uh, runs his program and runs his team is that he it's very much like an NBA offense in the sense that he just goes after the mismatch that he can figure yes. out. Attack, yes. And he'll just attack it over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter who he's going with, whether it's J.D. Note, uh, tonight Devo Davis got it going a little bit. And so he started riding the hot hand. Jalen Williams played well. And I think Jalen might end up being kind of a little bit of an ex factor for this team but it's 
you don't see that a lot in college basketball where you, you find a mismatch, you isolate the mismatch and you go and just try to take advantage of it one-on-one. That's very much more an NBA thing than it is college basketball. There's yeah, a few 100%. teams that still do it, right? I mean, there's a two, few teams that still do it. I think Duke does it. Duke, would, uh, they will call your number. So if you were out there and heard your number called and it wasn't on a scout report, that meant you were getting iso So certain teams may do it, but you're right. For them, it is NBA-like. It's like it's an old-school NBA because even certain teams are still motion. It used to be, all right, oh, is that Randolph in? Oh, we uh, post him, you know, until until you come out of the game. So <laughs> – they uh they they're playing well right now. I think it's work for them. They put you in rotation, and once you get in rotation, that you know, then you're 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 dead with them. I think the thing for me is at the beginning of the season, Arkansas had somewhat of an identity crisis, right? They had all these guys that had you know thought it was their team. They thought it was right. they, they were going to build the office right away. Devo was coming off the great finish to last season. Was was he going to be you know, the SEC Player of the Year? Was he going to be the guy you built around? Um, you know, Note is a guy who's, I think, one of the most gifted scorers in college basketball off the bounce one-on-one. You know, Imude was a 21-point-a-game, super, super high-usage guy uh, at South Dakota. Chris Likes has lived with the ball in his hands all his life, right? And he can cook, but, you know. He can yeah, shoot you out of Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, like, they had a lot of guys who I think, you know, thought it was their team. And I think one of the things that Eric Musselman has done always so well, all the way back to the Nevada days, was – taking guys like that and getting buy-in, right? And, and he and getting guys to fit into their roles. Uh, he did it with Marcus Marshall back in the day in Nevada, uh, who was this kind of shoot-first guy from Missouri State who turned into this awesome player for them. He, every year in Nevada, it seemed like he brought in a kid and was like, man, is this going to script the chemistry? And he just figured it out. And I, I thought that, you know, in December and, and early January, it was like, did Musk finally, you know, meet his match? Did he finally not have the team he could crack? And it just, you know, it has turned. They have, they've gotten that buy-in. Uh, he is one of the great coaches. And look, that's a tremendous skill, right? I mean, from, from a portal standpoint, especially in this day and age, to be able to identify guys that you can mold and identify guys that you can build rosters around uh, and, and take, you know, talent from everywhere and put it together and have everyone, you know, competing at a high level and competing in their role at a high level, that's as important as anything in, in college basketball right now. And I, I just think that, you know, Musk is as good as it gets in that regard. And it's a huge reason why Arkansas has been as successful as they have been. And so right now you've got a team that, you know, can attack mismatches because every single guy can create for themselves. Uh, You've got a center in Jalen Williams who's super unselfish, who kind of makes up for the fact that, you know, none of their their guards are necessarily a pass-first point guard. Um, You can switch almost every spot. You've got these long athletic guys like Tony and Umude who are, you know, six foot six, six foot seven. Uh, Devo is a really good defender. You know, they, they're a really good defensive team and they've got all kinds of weapons on the offensive end. I think this team has real upside to make a push. I mean, again, I don't know if they're a final four team, but could they get back to the sweet 16, the elite eight there? I think they can get, they can, depending on the way that things shake out, I definitely think that this is a team that can win four straight games, but I'm, I'm curious. Sweeney made an interesting point, RC. He talked about how, how Musk gets guys to buy into roles. And, and I think role acceptance when it comes to college basketball, when it comes to the NBA, when it comes to football, when it comes to literally any sport, knowing what your job is and understanding what you're expected to do, I think is the most important part of having a successful team. It doesn't matter sports, business, whatever it is, know your job, be great at your job. You've been in these locker rooms. You've been on these teams. You've played on these teams. How, how do you do that as a coach? How do you get guys to understand this is what you need to do? And this is why I need you to do it. And you need to buy in or you're not going to play. 
But you just said it because if no one wants to sit on the bench, so when you get guys in there, you have to be willing to sit guys in there no matter who it is. And and to your point about getting must to to get guys to to, to blend in and, and and accept their roles, it's easy to do when you're winning. And it's hard because when he first got there and they were losing, everybody was like, ah, that don't work at the high major. You know, that was the kind of the whispers. Everybody's like, ah, that don't work high major. You can't bring these guys in thinking they're going to, you know, that work at Nevada or work at some smaller schools. You know, you get some bigger guys down. And he was getting guys like likes is coming from starting every game at Miami. You know, he was getting guys. He had guys coming in there where it was like, hey, now all of a sudden he's 10 to 15 minutes a night, you know, but they're winning and he's, sh he's shining in that role to your point. But that's what coaching is going to be right now with the transfer portal, with the, with, you know, with Juco's and the one-time transfer rule. You better believe like, like that's it. It's going to be, Hey, come here. This is what I want. This is what I need. You do this. I guarantee you will be successful. And that's all you can, that's all you can ask for. Yep. We got about three minutes here, Sweeney. So uh, let, let's, let's kind of put a bow on the sec Auburn, Kentucky. They're, they're the two favorites, right? Gun to your head right now. What, who are you taking? You got to pick one of them. Who are you taking? Healthy Kentucky or Auburn? I think Kentucky is the better team. I, I think they're a little bit more well-rounded with the point guard position. I've been scared off by some of the decision-making uh, from, from Wendell Green late in games. I think that's, that's concerning. And look, Kentucky still hasn't had a game with full health where they've lost since that Notre Dame game. And that, that was a different Kentucky team at that point. So, uh, Got in my head, I would take Kentucky. I like both teams, but I would lean towards the Wildcats. Where are you at, RC? Uh, Auburn. I'm with Auburn. I'm, it's not even close. We we've had we had concern about Kentucky's point guard play as well. We've talked about them a million days. And at the end of the day, the best player on the floor is not Oscar Oshibwe. It's it's Jabbar. The most talented player on the floor is Jabbar. And, I, and I'm going with that all day. Yeah, I think – I think you might be able to make an argument that Walker Kessler is as valuable and maybe more valuable to Auburn in the way that they want to play than mm -hmm. uh, Oscar Shibway is to Kentucky in the way that they want to play. Um, I'm with you. And I do think it's funny that we spent the first two months of the season <laughs> on the show being like, we cannot trust Severe Wheeler. He cannot shoot. Right, you cannot right, play a guy right. that you can play 10 feet off of Kentucky's got right. no chance. And now yeah. we're like, oh yeah, Kentucky, like don't even Final worry four. about all. forget about the number two team in <laughs> the country. Their, four. <laughs> their point guard stinks. We gotta go with Severe Wheeler now. This is the guy. This is the guy that we're buying into. Uh that, it always makes me laugh. Uh 30 seconds, Sweeney. Give me your uh, your your thirty thousand foot view on Tennessee. Can they go and win the SEC tournament? I don't think a team who builds its offense around Kennedy Chandler can can be elite. And I, I just Harsh. I like Kennedy Chandler. I just don't think you want to build wow. around your, your offense around. Him. So I think wow. I think to me I, I don't think they can win the SEC tournament. I think I think Arkansas is a better team than Tennessee. <laughs> so Sweeney Ouch. doesn't like doesn't like uh, doesn't like Kennedy Chandler. Sweeney doesn't like Wendell Green, doesn't like Katie Johnson. Severe Wheeler's a guy. Put put him in Hall of Fame. Put him in the Kevin Sweeney Hall of Fame. But listen, this is this has been fun. This has been the field of 68 after dark. Uh, my name is Rob Dosser. I'm with Randolph Childress and Kevin Sweeney. We are heading over to the YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel for the after dark afters. And I just want you guys to remember before we get out of here, UConn beat Villanova tonight.
Field of 68 after dark. And you're clear. There we go. All right. Um, hold on. We got to pay the bills real quick. Uh, Randolph, I got a question for you, man. Yep. This wasn't from the chat. This is just a question that I'm asking you. What is more important than peace of mind? Nothing. Nothing is more important than peace of mind. Nothing and is that, more important. And that is what NordVPN is here for, <laughs> to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and all of your devices, no matter the operating system with NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection and plans start at just under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also Risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Dagan, we are in the afters, which means it's time to celebrate a victory, fellas. Time to celebrate a victory. And just, and just a reminder for the chat, if you haven't liked it, we are, we're only 95 likes away from Rob Shotgun and Matt, another one of those white claws. There you go. Let's get them up. Let's get those Na- likes. 95 going. more likes. Also, Carter has entered the chat. He said he wishes Juwan Howard punched him. <laughs> Um, I do have a question, though, and I think I'm getting more questions in the chat than you guys are. Uh, this one was directed at me again. Uh, who is the Oregon State or Georgetown this season in terms of winning the conference tournament? You know, you're not supposed to win it, that kind of thing. Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh, that's really that's a good, good question. That, that, is, that is a good question. Sweeney, Sweeney I'm um, going to you first. On I mentioned one. Virginia. I mentioned Virginia for this earlier. I think they're a good candidate. I have one other, though. How about St. John's? Yeah. Starting to turn a corner a little bit, playing at Madison Square Garden Conference Tournament, have an elite, elite player in Champagne and a good point guard in Posh. I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I I don't know that I see it, but if you're looking for one, I mean you need a league where the top tier teams aren't so elite that they're not beat, you know, that they're not beatable. But there's, you know, I think St. John's maybe a favorable draw. Things could get interesting there. <laughs> is uh is does Oregon count as one of those teams? That was my pick. Bid stealer, yeah, I <laughs> that count was that. My pick. All right, so if or if Oregon counts, I'll probably go with Oregon. Um, I don't, I don't know who like because those those two teams came from so far off the map. Like we're trying to pick teams that we think are good. Nobody thought Georgetown was good last year, and nobody thought Oregon State was good last year. So I'm just gonna yeah. go pick a shitty team. I'm gonna go with South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we just I don't talked about that. how good the SEC top hey, is. It's and so like, right. <laughs> Game Cox. I was thinking of an SEC team, but I'm thinking I was going on a stretch to be like, well, hell. We just talked about how good Alabama and Kentucky, I mean, Auburn and Kentucky is. I'm thinking like, all right, well, maybe Arkansas or Florida. I was going to say maybe Arkansas or Florida. Uh, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. Man, By the way, did you, be... did you guys see what, what Frank Martin said the other day? He said, no. he said, I would rather be a bouncer and get shot than be a member of the media. So I don't think we're going to be seeing him on the field of 68 after dark next year. <laughs> nah. yeah, Ooh, no, that was harsh. No Frank Martin over here. 
<laughs> that was harsh. Um, I do have one more for you. It, where is TCU a tournament team? Where are they right now, Sweeney? Yeah, they're they're in the field. Um, okay, never mind that. Well, I would, oh yeah, yeah, no. Because they're oh. they're talented, man. Like if you, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of TCU games this year, but if you look at the roster and and, and dudes that they have, uh, Mike Miles, stud, Damian Ball, guy we all thought was going to be a stud at Memphis, Micah Peavy, who was a top fifty kid. They went to Texas Tech and transferred in. They got Chuck O'Bannon. Um, they got who's the big what's what's the name of the big kid? Emmanuel Miller, um, who was the yeah. 16 and 8 guy at AM. Yeah. And Eddie yeah. Lampkin's been really good for him too. Yeah, Lumpkin. Lampkin, Lumpkin. And right now on fielding the 68, TCU is a 10 seed. Yeah. 10 seed. Okay. They what have a stretch. Their stretch to close the year, TCU. Uh Texas on the road tomorrow, then home Texas Tech, then home Kansas, then at Kansas, then at West Virginia. So they probably need at least one and probably two wins to make sure they feel comfortable. Will Dayton get in? I think no, they, they need to a... win. They, they have three Q4s. It's going to be tough. They, they have a small chance, but I think better path is to win the conference tournament. A small chance? Yeah. They don't have they're, they're in like the last – they're in the next four out no, right now, Rob. No, yeah, they're next four. And, and they, right get, they get, they get you Davidson got... next weekend. They win that game. You get one more in the A-10 tournament. You lose in the A-10 championship game. You're telling me there's no chance they're going to end up the tournament? No, they, they they look at their losses. I, oh, I know. They have but look at their wins. I, I said it. So they got they beat they got Kansas the on neutral court. Okay, you mm. lost UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, and yep. Austin P at home. At yeah. home. They, they in lost your the game. Building in your mm-hmm. in Dayton Arena in front of fifteen thousand people. <laughs> I don't know if I saw any team in the country make the turnaround they made. Like you start a year losing by games like that. To the turnaround that they made, like that was crazy. that was that was wild. That was wild. You, you uh, used to you, UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, Austin P, and then you beat Miami, Kansas, and Belmont. What, what the hell is going on there? They beat Virginia Tech too. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh well, they're they're six and they're they're seven they're seven and five in quadrant uh quadrant one and two. They are eleven and five in quadrants one, two, and three. But unfortunately, eight and three against uh, quadrant four. So the there three you go. losses killing them. In if the it was, game. if it was one, if it was even yeah. two, you might yeah, be able to. All right, yeah. three. Uh, no good. You know, you know what they really needed to do? They really needed, like, after those three losses, they needed to start playing some walk on, like, four minutes a game or something <laughs> like that, so they could just be. Yeah, we 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 added this. We didn't have before. He's the difference maker. He's our glue guy. He brings all of the pieces together. The reason it works is because Kevin Sweeney right here comes in and shoots three oh, threes a game. That's what it is. Unreal. People in the all chat right, are saying good. Oregon State could be the Oregon State of last year, which <laughs> would really come out of nowhere. They would be matching their win total from the entire season in the conference tournament alone. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say Oregon State might be banned from the, uh, the Pac-12 tournament this year. You're not sorry. You're not good enough to get in. <laughs> Fourteen, man, they stink. Here's here's another one. I like I like Wayne too, man. He's a nice guy, but like, golly, they're bad. Here's another one for you. Out of the top sixteen teams, which two teams would bring the best atmosphere to a championship game? Out of the top sixteen, so let's just do the top sixteen uh, that were revealed on Saturday. Just do that. okay. Make so. It easy. Th- yeah, so the obviously like Kentucky and Duke and Kansas, they all travel like crazy. I will tell you, Texas this, Tech, Texas Tech fans are out of their minds and they <laughs> travel. This and was they in drink. 2018, and yes. in 2018, 
right? The first year that the program was good, not even this year, they're like four years into being good. The first year that they were good under Chris Beard, they made it to the, the regional in Boston, right? Purdue was there, Purdue travels. Villanova was there. That's a train ride, train ride on the Amtrak away. And uh, who, West Virginia was there. West Virginia travels. The loudest group and the most populous group in that building on both of the nights was Texas Tech. They were insane. They were loud. They were chanting. They were singing. They, they were drunk. There were cowboy hats and cowboy boots everywhere. They filled up that building. They played Villanova in the Elite Eight. And that was the, the, the building was more Texas Tech fans than it was Villanova. It was insane. Texas Tech will pack that place out. You know who else will? Gonzaga. Gonzaga travels. They have a big and passionate fan base, and they will go. They'll, they'll get where they need to. When it, was at, well, when it was in Phoenix, right, in 2000 and uh, was that 2017? I think it was 17. They were, yeah, they had as many fans in that building as um, North Carolina did. Now it's uh, West Coast to West Coast, but they, they, they will travel. There's a lot of Gonzaga fans out there that will travel. What do you guys have? They're not in the top 16, but if Arkansas were in a Final Four or in the National Championship game, and that's a drivable thing from Fayetteville to New Orleans, like let alone the stadium, like Bourbon Street, all of New Orleans – It'd be Woo Pig Suey, baby. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. You think Mama Hog would show up? Oh, yeah. We, we, we'd have to get her live. She, oh, yeah, she'd come, have on, to. she'd come on the set. She'd come have on the to. set. Have to. We'd make it work. Um, make sure Goodman's there. You know, you know he might run a high. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, we just had someone ask in the chat, where's the bald white guy? I have a crush on him. Guns up. <laughs> Got man. That was gonna. I was gonna read that out next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took that right from me. What, Digan? What else we got? We got any other good questions? Um, ch- 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 let me see here. Um, here, here's a question. What good teams don't travel? There's got to be one. Um, let me think. Uh, that also wasn't really a question. Me... I think that was said more in, in sarcasm, but there could be one. So I don't know. Baylor. Baylor doesn't. Baylor doesn't really travel all that well. Um, UConn does not really travel all that well. The two years that they were in the I was going to say that any small – You say UConn? He said, he said good teams, Rob. <laughs> Jeez. What Rough the, crowd. I, I, From the guy I, who I pays his bills, too. I mean, that was too easy. That was too easy. That was too easy. That was too easy. What about, uh, what about UCLA? I kind of think of them as like, like, I think they travel, but it's kind of like a wine and cheese crowd. Like, it's not like, like Texas Tech fans are going to be like drunk, nuts. Like, I don't think you're getting like nuts, UCLA fans. Yeah, probably not. Um, And it's also like, how often do they pack out Pauly and turn Pauly into a cauldron? Not not that often. Um, It's just too much going on in L.A. Right. They got to mm-hmm. be like final four national, ten, you know, it's got to be like, all right, it's got to be, they got to be in the final four and then everybody will come. I don't think they'll support them through the regionals or anything like that. It'll be like, yeah. Oh, they're in the final four. All right, let's go. You, you know what the other problem is that if you want to get on national television in a good time slot, you got to play at nine o'clock, right? That is 6 PM West coast time. And you know how hard it would be to get from anywhere in LA to Westwood for a 6 p.m. tip, like you, it's basically impossible. That's why the East Coast is the only legitimate time zone. 
fire and takes tonight. Yeah, awesome. great to say. We're going to have fire some. and takes. Some likes coming now. <laughs> <laughs> Dagan, what else we got? Uh, let's see here. One just came in from Patrick James. Mid-major that can make a tournament run. Does we have this all the time, but it may change. North yeah, Texas, I mentioned earlier. St. Murray State. Murray State, certainly. St. Murray. I love, I love Murray State. Look, I, I think Murray State is – I've watched uh, three of their last four games because I live bet them when they were losing by a lot in the first half. So I've watched the end of their last three games, and they got some dudes. Like, and they KJ run Williams really good shit them. too. Yeah. K.J. Williams should be a – like he should be a high major dude. He put up 31 of the second half at Tennessee State. And I know Tennessee mm. State's not all that good. But they play in a building that's pretty big with a rowdy atmosphere, right? RC, have you ever seen them play at Tennessee State? Uh, right? no, no, Tennessee right State. There. So yeah, no. it, it gets it gets rowdy in that building. And he put up thirty-one in the second half. They came from eleven back uh, at halftime and won. Uh, they got a kid named um, Julius. What's his? Uh, you know his name, sweetie. What's his? What's his last name? From who? Tennessee State. What team? No, from Murray State. From Murray State. Oh, they have uh, Juice Hill, the point guard. You were into Juice Hill, yeah. Justice Hill, um, he put up 36 on. Was it was it Memphis earlier this year? He put up 36. They've had yes. three different guys go for 30. Their best player is a kid named Tevin Brown, who um, I mean he he's like a six five combo. He's really fucking good. They he got, he, they got he came guys. in this. Tevin Brown came in the same class as John Morant, and he averages like 17 five and four. You guys are jinxing them now. They're going. Matt McMahon Matt McMahon can really now. recruit, man. That's a that's a heck of a recruiting class. Hey. Yeah, with all this, they're probably not even going to uh, – they're, they're not going to win the automatic bid. <laughs> what else we got, Dagan? Here's one for you. Is there a game you want to see more in conference tournaments than yes. Michigan-Wisconsin? Cool. Yes. I'll be in Indy. That would be a lot of fun. K- Kentucky and Auburn. Yeah. Yes. You said it. There's, there's two that I want to see more than that. Kentucky-Auburn, Texas Tech-Texas. I'm done with Texas Tech, Texas. We've, we've done it twice. The Texas Tech fans dominated the building both times. Well, why do we need to do it third time? I'll take Texas why? Tech, Kansas again. I will, too. Yeah, that'll be good, too. That'll be good, too. Um, I just – I think if Michigan and Wisconsin play, everybody's going to be on their best behavior. There's going to – like, it's not right. going to be – The refs will be calling it Tech for yeah, the first yeah. ball. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck. I, I just – I'm not – I'm not that – I'm not really looking forward to that. Auburn, Kentucky's the one. Auburn, yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Healthy. I, I, I did this the other night, but please, basketball gods, give us a healthy <laughs> Ty Ty Washington and a healthy Severe Wheeler against Auburn for the SEC title in Nashville. Is it Nashville? It's in Tampa this year. It's very odd. Tampa. That's closer to Auburn. More balanced. It'll be good. That's what we need. Since when does the SEC go to Tampa? I think it's the first year. Interesting. Um, they, they can give us one more. One more. Do, uh, Cheers and get out of here. Yes, one more, and I just lost it. I have to go back and find it. Um, oh, Arkansas, Kentucky on Saturday. Oof. I know it's I know it's only Tuesday, but what you got? Uh, do we know? Can we yeah. get a Can we get a, a hypothetical health status of the Kentucky team? I, I don't know. Make one up yourself. If they're healthy, then Kentucky. If they're not <laughs> healthy, then Arkansas. Like, is that, Pe- is that people aren't winning in Fayetteville? I almost think if can even if Kentucky's healthy, they're not winning in the so. Yeah, it'll be it'll be rocking. It'll be fun. Mama Hog will be there. <laughs> maybe, maybe we fly Goodman down. 
uh, all right, listen, this is uh, this has been fun. Let's do our three cheers. I'm going to you, uh, you first, RC. What do we got? <clears throat> Talked about it all night to the uh, Musselman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Great Cheers. game tonight. Go ahead, Sweeney. How about Kamani Young? I mean, he, he's, he's gotten a lot of love, but he deserves as much of it as there is. I mean, the job he did, you know, I think to, to not only manage the game as well as he did, but then to call two really good sets, I think says everything about who he is and why he deserves to be a head coach this spring. There will be plenty of jobs open. He should get one of them. Uh, but he led his team today, and, and he led them to a huge victory. Uh, so cheers to Kamani Young. Come on, Sweeney. You know you had to let Dos. You know you had to let Rob get that. You no, no, no. I know where Doster's actually. Rob's got a, yeah, Rob's got a special one. I know what no, Doster actually has. So I, I did. I didn't steal yeah. his thunder. Trust me. He, know, he knows. But I will say this about Kamani Young. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of uh, how the sausage is made. I do the Top Dogs podcast, the UConn podcast for the Field of 68, and Kamani was supposed to come on, right? Um, and it was like yeah, we were supposed to to record at 10 o'clock at 9:30. He texts me and he goes. Hey man, listen, I had something come up. I can't come on. Uh, but here's Ryan Boatwright's number. He told me that he's good. You're good to go. Just text him. He'll come on at 10 o'clock. And I was like, all right, I got Boatwright. Yeah. And uh, come on, he turned it off now. I, I, I was much more excited to talk to Ryan Boatwright than I was to come on. I've talked to come on before. <laughs> I love Boatwright. It was awesome. So uh, yeah, shout out to come on young. My cheers goes out to Jack Rothenberg. Uh, you guys aren't going to know who Jack Rothenberg is. Vassar tonight, the school that I went to, uh, in the Liberty League playoffs in the quarterfinals, Jack Rothenberg, with 1.4 seconds left, called a length of the floor pass uh, at the three-point line, turned, fired, and hit it at the buzzer for a 71-69 win over Hobart to send them to the semifinals. The last time that Vassar was in the Liberty League semifinals, I was on a roster. So cheers to the Brewers. Cheers to Coach Ryan Me. <laughs> Cheers to Jack Rothenberg. That's awesome. What a moment. I don't care what level of basketball it is. When you when you make a play like that, that's something that you never forget. Uh, Sweeney just chugged the rest of his beer. So, uh, listen, for Kevin Sweeney, for Randolph Childress, for our producer, Dagan Hughes, this has been fun. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. And remember, UConn beat Villanova tonight. <laughs> the headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.